Welcome everyone. I'm Sue Barber, author, former IT director for a Fortune 500 company, turn executive coach, and this is the Visibility Factor podcast, where we explore how to raise your visibility and play bigger at work and in life. We'll explore key topics and welcome guests that help you shift your thinking about yourself so you can see new possibilities for your leadership. I'm on a mission to create a visibility movement for leaders to show their value and be seen for their true talent. Are you ready to take the next step towards a higher level of visibility for yourself? Let's go. The Visibility Factor podcast is brought to you in part by the 90-Day Visibility Breakthrough Accelerator Program. Do you believe deep down inside that you can have a bigger career, but you don't know how to get there? You can keep doing what you're doing, but what if there is a better way that could accelerate your progress? This 90-day program is a powerful experience that is unique to you and provides dedicated time to focus on your specific challenge. It gives you the time to develop big ideas and plans to execute them, including the tools, resources, and motivation needed for success. Hundreds of clients have used this same program to take them to the next level in their career and to create a better life. Join me in a 90-day experience that focuses on challenges like creating a strategic plan, how to lead an organizational change, or prepare for a career transition. This dedicated time will help you see new possibilities, recognize your strengths, and take away key insights that can be leveraged immediately. Are you ready to create a breakthrough for yourself? If you're interested in learning more, visit susanmbarber.com forward slash visibility breakthrough accelerator for more information and to sign up for the program. I look forward to seeing you there. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Visibility Factor podcast. This is Sue Barber, your host. I'm thrilled today to bring my guest, Michelle Newman, to meet with all of you. She is a coach, a former executive for the TV stations. She is just doing some amazing things in the world and especially uh, helping women at middle age learn how to have a second opportunity at doing things in a way that maybe is better for them than they did in the first half of their life. And I really admire all the things that she's done. And I'm just excited to have her here to share her wisdom with all of you. So welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me, Sue. It's fun being on your podcast as I was so fortunate to have you on mine. So this is great. Yes, I know. It's so exciting. So I'd love for you to do a brief intro of yourself uh, and just share with everyone what it is you have done and where you are now in the world. Well, it's It all started, I was in the entertainment industry, as you mentioned, for over 20 years. I was a vice president of CBS Daytime in their programming and marketing. And when we were doing that, we coveted 18 to 49. That was the group that we went after. Uh, That was the group that Madison Avenue cared about. So that was what we cared about. And uh, I left when my husband got a job in Maryland and I had my children older Uh, which is why I like to call We Are the New Mid, the new midlife, because right now here at 54, I have a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old, and we are just starting braces. But, (laughs) right? So it's a little different. Mm -hmm. But it's fun, too, because I can look on my Facebook and see friends with their grandbabies. So it's all good. And we are in this whole new middle age of ourselves, our power years, But I didn't always feel that way, Sue. I have to admit, when I turned 49, that was the last year of the demo. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be invisible. And I did. I didn't want to celebrate my birthday. I didn't want to turn 50. Luckily, my family and friends had a different idea, which was great. But my turning point was when 
I was taking my daughter, um, she was 10 at the time, to her spring concert. And here I am running around and there's all these young moms there and they their daughters look perfect. They've got their hairs perfect, their clothes are perfect. And I'm like, oh my God, I just got her here. So she was excited. I'm sitting down in the audience watching my daughter play her flute and I have a hot flash. And I don't know if any of you midlife women can relate to me, but I'm, you know, burning up. And one of the 30 something year old moms look at me and they're like, oh my gosh, you're getting really emotional, which I'm thinking to myself, don't worry, you'll be getting emotional too very soon. Right. But it dawned on me, Sue, why am I being so hung up by this midlife, by this number Because at the time, my oldest was 10, my youngest was eight. I still have a lot to do as a mom. And I just had a lot to do as a person. And I thought to myself, I want to empower midlife women. So I did the only thing I knew knew how to do was entertain. So at the time, I was not around anyone who... We didn't have a television station nearby, but I knew the owner of a radio station. And I put together, um, my legacy is I helped develop and launch the talk and let's make a deal. So during that time, we had a lot of companies, production companies pitch us television ideas. So I knew what it was, how to put a packet together to pitch a show. So I literally put it together. I went to FedEx, had it binded this whole big thing. Fred got to page four and he said, sold. So I have 30 minutes on a classic rock radio station and then it turns into a podcast. But I wasn't done with that. I thought, okay, I can help midlife women listen to this podcast, but I want to do more. And then that's when coaching came evolved. And I was doing one-on-one coaching, but then I wanted to do more. I want to help more women. So then that evolved into having a midlife academy, the new mid academy, which has been going strong for three years. I'm in 15 states. I'm in three countries. And it just keeps expanding. And from that, I'm now an executive leadership coach as well, helping midlife women in the corporate world. We have so much to do, Sue. We have, we're, and we're just getting started. And I think that's what gets me up every morning and so excited. Yes. I love your videos. So uh, if you want to check out her group, The New Mid, on Facebook, she does a live video every morning. I don't think you do the weekends. Do you do the weekends too? I don't do the weekends. I used to during COVID, but then I stopped. You know, it's funny that you say that because how that got started was very organic because I don't know about you, but when I when COVID hit, I didn't know what day it was. I didn't know what day of the week it was. I didn't know the date. So I started doing that to help people know what day it was and the day of the week and to encourage everybody, like to to have some light in this dark period of time. And it just kind of grew and and so I've been doing that now for over three years. Yeah, I remember just taking the first walk outside was weird because nobody was really doing that much. And everybody who'd see the other person like cross the street, it was it's a very weird time for all of us to experience for sure. 
I want to go back to what you talked about in that experience that you had when you were at your daughter's event. You know, when I think back to my dad, when he hit 40, my mom threw him like a little over the hill party. You know, his cake was with a little over the hill thing. And I thought, wow, he's so old. We're oh, flying past that age. And you can just see like, it doesn't feel the same. You know, when you're young, it feels like those ages are so much older. And now as you're going through them, it's like, you know what, there is so much to do. And I really love that you talk about that and help people see what's possible for them, right? They don't have to say, I'm done. They can keep going and probably do things that they never even dreamed of before. So I'm curious, what do you find is probably the biggest challenge for people to start to see that is just a mindset change? Or are there other things that maybe they're afraid of that they don't think that they can do more in their life as they reach a certain age? Well, I I love how you bring up your dad's birthday party because my mom had an over-the-hill birthday party at 40. (laughs) And I was at the Price is Right nine months pregnant on my 40th birthday. So if you want to have a juxtaposition, Mm. it was, you know, I was quite large on my 40th birthday, <laughs> ready to have my first baby. So oh. times are different and, and it really does start with your mindset. It starts with your self-awareness. That's what I tell everyone is it's an inside job. Everything is an inside job. And it's important to get to know yourself because by the time we hit midlife, we pretty much had experiences either putting our family, our kids, our husband, our parents work in front of ourselves. And we're just holding on, right? Just trying to survive and get through a lot. And before you know, you look in the mirror and you're kind of like, wait a minute, where did these wrinkles come from? When did my neck get a little creepy? When did my arms like whip back, you know, like, what happened? And to me, that is the most important thing anybody can do is get to know themselves, find themselves again. Who is that person that bright eyed, bushy tailed, really excited to go out into the world and start their own life, whether they got their first place to live at their first job, you know, um, all of that, because by the time we get to midlife, we've had some ups and downs, we've had some curves. And a lot of times the limitations that are put on us, we put them there. So really kind of having a come to Jesus with yourself and giving yourself a break. Getting to know yourself shouldn't be about criticizing yourself It should be about being a scientist and observing and being non-judgmental. And that is when you can realize, whoa, I've gone through a lot and I'm still here and I still have stuff to do and desires and I'm, I'm young enough, I'm healthy enough. Or if you aren't healthy enough, now is the time to check in with that. Um, just as an aside, I was also pregnant at my 40th birthday. Everyone else was drinking and I was not. So just <laughs> tell you how fun that was. We it's are, not exactly what I envisioned. We are kindred spirits. That is for sure. I know. We, we have so much in common, for sure. Uh, but going back to what you just shared, 
is it because maybe people believe what other people have told them? You know, there's always a lot of limiting beliefs that people carry around for a really long time. And I have found that a lot of people have never even taken the time to do the inner work at all, maybe because they didn't know how or what to do first. I'm curious if you have any tips that you start with people to say, here's some questions to ask yourself, or here's a place to start to really start to get to know yourself. Because I feel like for a lot of people I've worked with, it feels overwhelming to even start down that path. Yeah. And it's very easy actually to, to start down this path. Simply take note of your top three emotions every single day. Because what happens is your thought process, whatever you're thinking leads to your feelings. You know, this is life coaching 101. I think it was Brooke Costello Mm -hmm. who came up with this model. And she might not, someone else might have let her know, but I think she talks about the model. And your thoughts lead to your feelings, which lead to your actions. And those are the results you're going to get. So, so to do, just to start off, just hopefully, you know, if you don't think of this as journaling, just write it down, but keep track. How, how did you feel today? What were the three emotions that you had today? Why did you feel that way? And how would you like to feel? What, what would you like to have felt differently? Because we have the power to control our thoughts. We might think, oh no, you know, our, our thoughts are like a record player and they just kind of go round and round and round. But honestly, you have the power to pick up the needle. Yeah, we're dating ourselves, we're midlife. <laughs> but you do, you don't want that record to just skip on the same thing. Pick up the needle and put it on the next song. But you need to be aware of what are you feeling? Why are you feeling this way? And how would you rather feel? And that's taking control because only you have control over yourself and not anyone else or anything else that is out there. You mentioned um, in the bio that you sent me around defying expectations that have been placed upon women, kind of both on screen and off screen. So I'm sure you saw some things uh, that probably many of us have not seen dealing in television. But I'm curious, you know, what have you seen from the people that you're working with? the expectations that have been placed upon them, how do they begin to work through those and let those go? You brought up a good point earlier about your subconscious. Well, about, (laughs) I thought subconscious, about how you get certain growing up um, expectations, certain things happen to you. And basically, by the time we're six years old, our, how we are going to be, our personalities are hardwired in before we can really even talk or anything. And who do we learn that from? We learn that from our parents. And how did our parents learn that? They learn that from their parents. So a lot of these expectations that have been put on us have come from generations and generations. And then say you struggled at math, you know, say you were, you, you know, my little one, she's taking algebra and, you know, there might be a couple times when she was just struggling at this one part. In the past, you might have a teacher that's not thinking and says, gosh, you're not very good at math. Just as a comment that is off the cuff, didn't really think about it. And then you grow up thinking, I'm not very good at math. But I want everybody to know math 
you have a breaking point. Everyone can be good at math, believe it or not. Everyone can. You just have to keep at it and then there will be a switch. And then all of a sudden, math is your best friend. So so we have these subconsciouses that these weeds were planted into that. And when we're older, we carry these around. So there's, it's funny. I, growing up, I'm 5'2". I am not Cindy Crawford. I am not Elle McPherson. I am not Naomi Campbell. I am not Christy Turlington. So growing up, I saw these supermodels on magazines. And I actually met Cindy Crawford when I was working at Entertainment Tonight. I can't find that picture, but it's literally like she's up here and I'm like down here and she's gorgeous. And it was fun. She's super, super nice, by the way. But I grew up thinking being short isn't great, right? And I'm sure somewhere in my, when I was a kid, someone called me shrimp or, you know, you have these expectations, you have these things that are put on you. We grew up with those supermodels in magazines, right, Sue? I was never going to be 6'2". I was never going to be a supermodel. That's just not how I am. And so you try to get past that. You get older and you're like, oh, it doesn't matter. And I'm fine who I am. And I'm getting to know myself more, which is fantastic. Because a lot of the stuff that happens in the entertainment industry, a lot of the stuff in the magazines is not realistic. And then... I kid you not, September Vogue 2023, guess who they have on the cover of their magazine? Cindy Crawford, Naomi Campbell, Christy Turlington. I was like, you got to be kidding me. They are now bringing these women back and saying that's what we have to look like in midlife. <laughs> oh, right. And I was like, okay, I want to see who got hair extensions, who got Botox, who was starving themselves for three months before this, this event. Like, I want to see who got the fake eyelashes, you know, you know, what was, uh, what was the airbrushing like? I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. And I have to say, God bless them for taking care of themselves. They have great genes, but not only great genes, they've taken care of themselves which is important for all of us to take that from that. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was funny, Sue, because the people who in my feeds on LinkedIn, the people who posted that, that and was like, oh, they're celebrating aging and everything were men. Not one of my female midlife coaches, you know, all of that, not one of them posted that cover. So I don't know. I I don't know if I've been rambling on and if you'll get any of this, but all I'm saying is we've got things that are planted in our subconscious weeds that we need to get to take out of, uh, out of them. These airbrushed, you need to be a supermodel growing up, you know, Mm -hmm. and I love the new Barbie movie because they even talked about Barbie was not even, she'd fall over like, you know, she wasn't realistic. They're even saying like, I love America Ferrara's rant about you have to be thin, but mm-hmm. not too thin, but you still need to be thin. 
know, there's all of it. You just don't feel like you can win, right? There's no winning in the way everybody's expectations. And I think social media obviously just makes that worse uh, for, you know, the later generations who are constantly checking that out. What advice or things have you seen? I know we're talking about the older generations um, and our generation specifically, but what do you think are the things that our kids are dealing with now because of social media, because of comparison? Are there things that we could be doing to help them start to see things in a new way and not wait until midlife to learn? Oh my gosh, this is a great question. I, this is a fantastic question because I'm in the thick of it right now with two girls that are 12 and 14. And this is when they're figuring out their identities and it's, it's a powerful time. And I have to say, sometimes I'm a little overwhelmed thinking, oh my gosh, this is such a critical time. What words am I using? What words are my husband using? How are we, you know, accepting them, but yet setting boundaries? And also, so there was a big incident that happened recently with my oldest daughter And it's funny, (laughs) the way our family works is the girls go to my husband first and they, they talk about it with my husband and then they figure out, okay, how are we going to tell mom? (laughs) How are we going to tell mommy? (laughs) Usually my husband breaks it to me. So he does Mm -hmm. it first and then my daughters will come and we'll have the conversation. But The one piece of advice that I really think is important to remember is you're the parent, be it. You're not their friend. Love them, encourage them, watch what words you use with them. Listen, listen, really listen. But at the end of it all, be the parent. And, and it's, we kind of joked because after we went through this incident, I, I was like, you might not be happy with me, but I am undoing some things and you're going to have to tell your friend it's no. And you can be as upset as you want with me. I don't mind. You can blame me. I don't mind because I am your parent and, and this is what I am protecting you. And do you want to know something? She was so relieved. I was going to say that. She was so relieved. Be the parent. Yeah. Yeah. I think they need they need some guardrails, right, to help them, especially in the world of today because there's so much peer pressure and so much, I don't know, comparison happening that they feel like they have to be perfect. And, and I'm happy to be the bad guy on a regular basis in our house as well. And, you know, I've told them, you know, I'd much rather you call me if you're in a situation that doesn't feel comfortable or that you need help. You know, my oldest, you know, I, the two older ones are 25 and 23 now. And so they're less likely to need me in the same way. But if they do, they still know they can use mom as the bad person. <laughs> so if it helps them get out of some situation that they're just not great at and don't know how to deal with. But, you know, my son is a whole different story. You know, he's a senior in high school. And so you know, what I love about them is they're each developing their own personalities. And what I love about that is they're figuring out their level of confidence, where they can push the boundaries a bit for themselves, where they can have some freedom and how they can start to 
just figure out who they want to be. You know, it takes time. And I don't think that even occurred to me for a really long time. You know, who do I want to be in the world? And so some of the things that I talk about with people, I know they're hearing and, you know, they know what's happened in the book and all the things that I talk about on the podcast. And so I'm hoping some of those things rub off on them and they recognize that they can be, you know, the people that they want to be and they can choose that every day. So I always talk about choices with them. You have a choice to make. What choice do you want to make? And I don't know that I even considered that as an option growing up. You know, it just didn't feel like I, I probably did, but I don't remember. And so I love that you talk about the way that you're working with your kids, because I think that's an opportunity for everybody to start to say, how can I just be there for my kids? How can I listen to them? And I did a speaking event and that was one of the things they said is, how can we teach this stuff that you're talking about to our kids? And I said, they need you to just be there there's no escape from the world. Like we could go to school and come home and they would actually have to call us or find us at our house to find us and talk to us. They don't have that. They have their phones. They're on 24 seven if they want to be. And I just don't feel like they have the ability to kind of regroup and just calm and get away from all the stuff. So it's it's a whole different world than what we grew up with, for sure. So speaking of a whole different world, this conversation led to other conversations. And I talked to them about what you said, look, if you're in a situation you need to get out of, let me know and I will come get you no questions asked. Blame me. Mm-hmm. And so um, I had heard this before, but <laughs> so instead of calling, I was like, okay, I want you to send me a hot dog emoji. Cause that's not an emoji that we would ever send. So I was like, and so there was this huge conversation. No, I don't want to send you a hot dog emoji. I want to send you a tree emoji. No, I want to send you a chair emoji. And I was like, no, just send me a hot dog emoji. So at this point I'm like, just send me emoji. Like I know if there's somewhere, oh, but, um, and then I said, you know, you'll get a call and I'll say you lost your, pri- you were supposed to unload the dishwasher. You didn't, you've lost your privileges. So I am coming to get you immediately. Mm-hmm. You're in trouble. And then they can play it up and say, my mom's so mean. And I'm like, blame me. So we just had that conversation. It was funny. But it's funny because it it was like, what emoji am I going to use? So yeah, things are new. The other thing we've come up with, and, and I don't know if this is helpful for any parents out there, but I agree with you that the kids have got to unplug. They need to set their phones down. And one of the things that we are trying to instill in our daughters at this age is discipline. And discipline is not a bad word. I know a lot of people don't like that word and they're like, dis, you know, it's, you know, disappointment. You know, I don't like the dis. And I'm like, no, discipline is good and kids need discipline and they need to learn it at a young age because it gets a little harder as we get older. So, if this is helpful for anyone, uh, what we've done, because both my husband and I work from home, he sometimes is, goes to his clients' uh, places, but for the most part, we're both home and we're both working. So when they come in, we might not hear them come in. So what we have set up is we've set up a station outside their rooms and they both have their own small whiteboards. They also have phone stations where their phones can be charged. So what they do is they write down what their homework is and they put a box and then they'll put history and then what the homework is. 
another box, math, what the homework is. So they have all of that done. And then they take their phone and they put it on the charger. Then they can get themselves a snack change. Then they go upstairs and they do their homework. They can't have their phones until they bring the board and they bring their finished homework to either me or my husband. And once that is done, then they can go on their phones for a little while. But then at 9 p.m., the phones are back out at the charging station. So that, that has worked in our family. Everybody's different. Everybody's kids different, but it has, you know, I can't blame my 12 year old. We waited, our oldest got her phone at 13 to help with responsibility and, you know, waiting till 12 was good, but because the girls were at a different school, we had to give the young one, but she has a little bit harder time with discipline, uh, with the phone. So we had to help her learn how to set the phone down, get her homework done, then as a reward, get the phone back. I mean, they just, I think they just need that and they don't realize how much the phones and the screen time and all the things, you know, are kind of messing with their brains a little bit and they don't realize, you know, it's impacting their sleep and obviously homework is another piece. So I've definitely had my own challenges with that for sure. And, uh, have been trying to instill some things as well. So not that though. I love your idea. Yeah. Me too. Uh, me, uh, me too though. Yeah. Me too. Like I have to, it will interrupt my sleep. So I have to put it in the mm-hmm. bathroom not by my bed. And you know what? Okay. So can I tell you something funny? So, um, my father just passed away recently. So I'm taking care of my mom a little bit more. She comes and visits, but while my dad was sick, I was staying with my mom and she had a knee replacement. So both our bedroom doors were open because if she needed me in the middle of the night, I would go help her. Can I tell you how many notifications would go off on her phone in the middle of the night? And she was like, oh, I didn't sleep very well. you know." And I'm like, that's because your notifications are going up. So I didn't say anything, Sue, but I went in her phone and I turned off all her notifications. Hmm, she slept a little bit better the next few nights. Interesting. That's so funny. Yeah, I have to set do not disturb because uh, we will definitely get woke up by mine more than my husband's probably. And one night I forgot to do it and he woke up. He's like, what is that? I said, oh, sorry, forgot to hit do not disturb. So that's that's crazy. Yeah, I can imagine that was a little bit uh, crazy for you to hear all night long and she didn't even probably realize she's hearing it. No, she had no idea. And I didn't Um, tell her I turned her notifications off. I just did it. She'll she'll be fine. She'll be fine. Okay. So I'm also curious because you came from a world that you had a really big job. You got to do a lot of great things, met a lot of great people. Mm -hmm. What has been the biggest Mm -hmm. challenge for you kind of coming into owning your own business, doing all these great things with women? What are, what have challenges been for you? Well, I could say if you want to get an interview with somebody, it's a little bit harder now (laughs) than it used to be. I mean, when you Mm. work at CBS Daytime, you pick up the phone and all the managers and PR people answer. So uh, that's a little different. Um, But I have been fortunate Mm. to have incredible women like yourself. But like I've interviewed Joan London and Dominique Dawes and some of my other friends, uh, AJ Langer, um, and some really great experts in, in the midlife field. So that being said, um, owning your own business, I'll take it all. It's lonely. You know, you're, 
I have contractors Mm -hmm. and I'm sure you can uh, relate to that. And gosh, I love when we're talking and we're laughing and we're building together. I love that camaraderie. I love collaborating, but at the end of the day, it's just me. And that that's a little bit lonely. So that definitely um, can be a little challenging, but there's nothing like, and I'm sure you feel very similar, but there's nothing like getting off a coaching call when you can see the difference when the light bulb goes off or you can look and, Mm -hmm. you know, I had one client who just recently we were talking about this because her confidence in herself, how she handled herself was at a certain point and just recently has had some incredibly big accolades And she's so proud of herself. And she just, she thanked me. And I was like, well, you did the work, but that feels amazing. Yes, I totally agree. I had one this morning that was similar. (laughs) And she looked at me like with this uncomfortable feeling. And I said, well, you don't have to do anything huge, just one step. And I said, what's one step? And she said, okay, I can do the one step. So I know when we meet again, she's going to try that one step and probably go further than that, which is uh, so cool to see. But yeah, there's so many great moments, I think, as a coach that you can help people start to see what great things they have about themselves and how wonderful they are that maybe they can't see. And that's what I truly love about it. It was transformational for me as a person, but I think how it's helping other people and and people like you're helping as well. It's, it's, there's nothing like it. It really is nothing like it for sure. It's definitely a calling and I, I feel called and I feel fortunate to be mm-hmm. walking similar in my father's footsteps because he was a man of service in his entire life. And I, I look at this as service. Mm -hmm. It totally is. So let's talk about your new reset program that you have coming up soon. I'd love to hear what's included in that, what you're hoping uh, comes out of it for people. I truly believe that if you're going to have change that lasts you need to work on yourself as a whole. So if you really want to have a reset for maybe, you know, for me, I, when my father was very ill, I, I basically was eating whatever was put in front of me. You know, I was at the hospital a lot. I was helping my mom a lot. So my exercise was pacing the hospital hallways and, pacing around my father's bed. So there wasn't, you know, I, and then mentally it was very difficult. And after losing him, the grief, and there was just a lot. And I think we in midlife have so many different things coming out of at us. And then there's a point where it's like, you know what, I just need to hit the reset button. I just need to like, get back to center. And that's what this 21 days is. It is for your mind, it's for your body, and it's for your spirit. So every week we are going to be focusing on each one of those. Your mindset in the beginning, getting yourself ready emotionally and your thought processes and and really becoming aware of yourself and what you want. And that, and then that leads into the preparation for your body. And, you know, it's a natural sugar detox, what we do. 
So you're naturally, um, it's, it's amazing what starts to happen to your body when you start eliminating a lot of the sugars that you don't even realize are in your body and start feeding it more protein, more healthy, uh, green vegetables, sort of, uh, getting rid of the dairy and gluten as well, you're going to start sleeping better. Your skin's going to look better. You're going to feel better. Your brain fog is going to go away, which a lot of us have in midlife. You're going to be able to concentrate and think better. And you're just going to be in a better mood. (laughs) You're going to be happier. You're going to have more energy. And the great part about that is it's a ripple effect because the people, you're just going to be more patient and it will help the relationships around you and to really cement it in, to really have lasting results. We bring the spiritual part of it, which whether you believe in God or source of the universe, but really making the habits that you are starting that you want to keep permanent, this is how you do it. So Um, I had a shorter version that was incredible and everybody was like, can you make it longer? So that's why I I turned it into a 21 day one. And it usually takes about 21 days to create a habit. So that's why after 21 days, you're going to have these great habits that hopefully you can pick one or two, or if you're wanting to keep all of the ones that you've started and, and, and the great thing is, is you're going to have stopped a lot of the bad habits that you have just naturally. That's kind of how it occurs. So it's a great time for a reset. It starts on Monday, October 9th. It goes to the end of October. Perfect time as you go into the holidays to have these habits, to learn how to eat, to learn how to order when you go out to eat, when you go to a, a, a party or a work event, you'll be able to figure out what to pick, what to choose to eat and what not to. So it's just a really great way to sort of set yourself up for success for the holidays. That's awesome. And this is online, correct? Correct. It's online. It's via Zoom. Oh, that's what I thought. Okay. So anybody who wants to check out this information about this program, I will include a link in the notes, but uh, I'm sure it's on your website and people can check it out and sign up or get more information about it. Um, It sounds amazing, right? Just resetting everything about your life. And, and moving into the holidays with the best of you. Uh, I was thinking when you talked about the ripple effect, I was thinking, you know, that this person's happier. So everyone around them <laughs> probably will start to feel that same experience as well. At least that's how it, yeah. You know. It's true. It's so true. And then the other thing too, is you're going to be consciously eating more and you're going to naturally be bringing in healthier food and your family is going to benefit mm-hmm. from yeah. that as well. Because usually that's how it starts, right? Some one person decides they're going to make some changes and it just kind of ripples out throughout the whole family. That's so cool. Well, I love that you're doing that. I think that's amazing. Any other things you want to share with the audience? Well, if you do want to, you can come to my website. I have a free ebook called Find You Again, which is what we were talking about is like in midlife, we just, we need to find who we are at our core. So this is a little free ebook that I would love to give you. I also have a new um, ebook about the powerful morning routine, how to set your day up for success. So you can also find that um, on my website as well. Love those. Love those. Well, thanks. 
So we're gonna transition into what I call the Rise Up and Be Visible Quick Tips. So these are four questions that I ask every guest. And we'll start with the first one, which is visibility is, if you can fill in the blank and tell me why you answered that way. Okay, so you're gonna be like, you're a broken record. Visibility is self-awareness. When you love yourself, when you believe in yourself, when you have gotten rid of some of those old negatives that have been on you for a long time, you will see yourself. You will be more visible because I am telling you, we are not invisible. We are invincible. We are so second half. This is our power years. This is when Mm -hmm. we have made it through several storms and we know we can make it through several storms. So having that belief in yourself and really running with it, um, that is visibility to me. Love that. What are you doing to be visible? Well, you had mentioned uh, I do those Monday through Friday uh, little walk and talks, inspiration inside my Facebook group. So that gives me visibility on a weekly basis. And then coming out and doing your podcast, and I'm doing other podcasts as well. And uh, yeah, so I'm excited to do more things that are kind of in the hopper right now, but. Uh, right now, that's that's what I'm doing to be visible. Love it. And what is the best career advice you've ever received? Well, it's interesting because it's from my dad. Uh, he was my first and, and best mentor. And we spent a lot of time when I was vice president over at CBS talking. I, I wanted to write a book. And now I really wish I would have written a book with him about management and leadership. He retired as a battalion chief on the Los Angeles City Fire Department and then was a deacon. So he had a lot of natural leadership and management. But I I thought about this and I think the one thing that he, one of the many things that he taught me that really stands out to me is to always have hope. Mm -hmm. Always have hope. No matter what you are doing, keep hope alive because you'll know that it will always get better. And if it's good, it's going to even get better, but never lose hope. And then final question, what is a book that you would recommend that you've read lately? Okay. So I I was prepared for this. (laughs) A book (laughs) that I think you should definitely look into is called Lovable by Kelly Flanagan. This was in our book club in the Academy. Huge success in the book club. They all loved it. So this is a really good book. And right now for the reset, one of the things I'm reading is called Why We Get Sick by Benjamin uh, Bickman. How do you say his name? Bickman, Benjamin Bickman. This is a fantastic read and it talks all about insulin resistance. So how Mm. we really do need to think about our sugar and sugar is in everything. And I talk a lot about that in the reset. And like I had said, the reset is just a natural sugar detox and you will be amazed at how great you feel. And that when you kind of go into re-entry and you're like, oh, I'm just going to try this. And then all of a sudden you're going to be like, whoa, that is so sweet. Like that is, oh, I didn't even know it had sugar in it. And then you're like, it's so sweet. So yeah. There's so many things that, you know, the names are hard to tell that it's sugar Uh in some ways, right? You just don't know. Yeah. It's funny because it's so funny that you say that because one of the things I give out in the reset is a whole list of the names they have now for sugar. 
you, you'll yeah. be shocked. Otherwise you wouldn't know it. Yeah. You wouldn't know it. Same thing with salt. Sometimes I think they both have like so much, too much in a lot of things, but yeah, it's crazy. And you know, I just realized I have your book visibility. I should put, bust that out. <laughs> it's a great yes, book. Always nearby. Always nearby. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Any last things you'd like to share with the audience today? No, just, I I really appreciate spending this time with you. I really hope that if whoever is listening to this, please invest in yourself, invest your time, invest your money, invest your energy. Now is the time. Now is your power years. So whatever it is that you're thinking about, do it. This is your time. Yeah, I love that. So inspiring. And anyone who is interested in joining her group, I would highly recommend her Facebook group, The New Mid. It's really great. She's got so many great resources on her website. So check her out. And thanks for being on the show today, Michelle. It was really great talking to you. Thank you for having me, Sue. Of course. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for joining today on the Visibility Fed Podcast. And we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to the Visibility Factor Podcast. Remember that visibility starts with small steps that are intentional and consistent each day. Be bold, be visible, be the leader you were meant to be. Find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on all of our social media platforms, which are highlighted in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Visibility Factor Podcast.